You're listening to The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to the show this morning, 6.33. So, uh, of course, if you're in your car right now listening to the show, we appreciate you as always as you're driving to work, doing the thing you're supposed to do, right, to keep this economy going. Um, If you happen to be somewhere where you're watching our live stream, glad to have you here as well. And, of course, if you're on our YouTube channel right now watching our live stream, you can join our chat window and ask questions, and we'll answer those questions in the next segment. Of course, our Google algorithm keyword of the day is sustainable living. (laughs) chart out this morning uh i think it's from statista if i'm not mistaken i'll have to verify the source but it was a chart out this morning and i toyed around with the idea of of doing a tweet on it and then i gave up on it because i couldn't be snarky enough um but basically it says you know we need to all move towards sustainable living and let me tell you something so i'm reading through the things that we need to do to achieve sustainable living here's what they are Increase the temperature of your houses to basically, you know, 80 degrees. Um, If you live in Texas, you know what that's like. Um, Be a vegan. Stop driving. Stop flying. (laughs) Stop living. (laughs) Kind of my point, right? Cavemen had sustainable living down, right? People living in caves had sustainable living down. So this is what they're promoting that we move back to. So I've just So you're saying sustainable living is so easy a caveman could do it. Exactly the point. Yes. That should be the commercial. That should that should be the commercial. Forget Geico, get the cavemen <laughs> back, sustainable living. So there you go. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about bubbles this morning. So Again, I want to be really clear here before I get into this is that I'm not saying that we're in a bubble. Okay, it's, this isn't the this, that's not the point of the article. The point of the article is, is that we don't recognize bubbles until after they happen. And then everybody looks back in hindsight and goes, yeah, well, that was obviously a bubble. Why didn't you see it? Right. This is and this is the problem with the financial media. The financial media doesn't want to tell you that we're in a bubble because that doesn't sell product. Right. They need you to keep buying mutual funds, ETFs, you know, all the stuff that the sponsors pay for for their show. Right. So they're not going to tell you that we're in a bubble because they don't want you to stop investing. After the fact, they'll be happy to tell you that it was in a bubble and that they saw it coming the whole time. And why didn't you? That's the way the media works. Right. Doesn't do you a whole lot of good. So but I, I wrote it. I've written a couple of articles lately talking about, you know, some of the examples of rationalization that we do for the market. Stocks are cheap based on the economic growth rate. You know, low interest rates justify high valuations, um, all these things. And I put out a tweet about a week or so ago uh, following an article that we talked about, talking about the bubble psychology. And that Right now, if you take a look at where we are in the phase of the cycle, we're very much in the exuberance phase. And you, and you know that by the number of companies being brought to market that have no revenue, um, the number of companies being taken to market through things like SPACs, right? We're trying to figure out different ways to get companies public that have no revenue and no business model. Um, the number of people that are chasing very speculative investments, 
people um, you know, moving into leverage through personal loans and credit card debt to invest into the markets. These are all signs of exuberance, and they only exist at the very peak of the market when people feel like they are, A, missing out, and two, there is no risk of loss, right? That's what happens. So I wrote this out, and a guy tweeted me back, and he says, you know, here's a, he goes, if you take a look at this chart, now this is the value line geometric index. And again, you can always pull an index to, to tell you pretty much anything you want. But his point was, if you take a look at this chart of the value line index, it doesn't really show bubble mentality. But again, you have to, this is kind of not a valid measure because a one it doesn't look back this only goes back to 20 this chart only goes back to 2017 right and you're you're much higher now in terms of the price of the market relative to where we've been in 18 19 and 20 much higher now on on an average price of of stocks versus history but the important thing is that the average price of the market is not what indicates a bubble so if you take a look at Investopedia as an example, they have a definition of what a bubble. Bubble is a market cycle that's characterized by the rapid acceleration of market value, particularly in the price of assets. Typically, what creates a bubble is a surge in asset prices driven by exuberant market behavior. Right? So that's what we were just talking about a second ago. During a bubble, assets typically trade at a price that greatly exceeds the asset's intrinsic value. Price to sales, 3.2 times. Rather, that, rather, the price does not align with the fundamentals of the asset. Okay. That definition is suitable for what a bubble is. But there are three components of a bubble. The first two are price and valuation. The problem with price and valuation is, is that price can remain elevated far longer than you can think. And valuation is a terrible market timing indicator. Yes, it can tell you what is going on, but valuation and price are simply a reflection of psychology. So the important thing to really to really study here is the rationalization about psychology and what's happening psycho psychologically within the markets. Um, Jeremy Grantham had a, a chart recently about the history of asset bubbles and kind of goes back to 1977. We look at the gold bubble, the Nikkei bubble, Thailand tech, U.S. housing bubble, biotech, then today's bubble, right? And he called it the disruptor bubble. But this is really a function of the prices, right? But the prices are only a reflection of the psychology that, again, it's that fear of missing out that we're all so concerned about, right? And, and so this is really becoming problematic here as we took it. And, and again, this example, here's a, a, a chart. This is a 13-week moving average of Google Trends on how to trade options. Um, you know, after the crash in 2020, everybody wanted to figure out how to leverage up and trade options. Probably the most speculative, you know, investment idea out there, right? Because options expire at zero. You either make money or lose everything. That's how options work. And as long as you call it right, you're in a good position. You call it wrong, you lose a lot of money fairly quickly. And so not only are people doing this, but now they're taking out credit card debt, personal loans, et cetera, to all do this kind of more 
extreme trading and they're taking on a lot of leverage to do that so once you start taking a look at margin debt and taking a look at you know all this kind of idea i mean we're seeing this rapid acceleration in investors kind of leveraging up now again does margin debt mean you're in a bubble no margin debt actually is fuel for the price increase and this is the mistake that people make they, they typically dismiss margin debt and they say well margin debt's just there to increase the the purchasing power of assets so you can buy more assets and that drives markets higher absolutely correct but it's also the fuel for the crash when it comes because when you start having a rapid price decline banks tend to want to get their money back and they demand that you sell to cover your margin which increases the selling pressure on the way down as well so this is why when you start to see margin debt at exuberantly high levels it's not the worry on the way up it's the worry on the way down because it provides the fuel for that subsequent price decline in the bubble but you know here's the here's the the, the point about all this we're talking about the cycle of the market and the psychology of investors and investors go historically through a very typical cycle psychology wise in markets, uh, you know, they they when the market kind of peaks, everybody's euphoric. Uh, when the market starts to decline, we get anxious. Then you go into a denial phase where individuals it's like, okay, it's it's this isn't a crash. It's just a correction. It's going to go back up. Uh, prices keep declining. They start going through the psychological things of, of fear, then despair, then they panic, and then they capitulate. They sell out at the bottom, and then when they sell out at the bottom, it's like I'm never investing again and they stay out of the market, the market begins to recover. And as the market finally starts to recover, they get they go through the cycles of, of I hope this, look, I hope I'm going to get back to even. I'm relieved now because I'm getting, you know, closer back to even. I'm kind of getting some of my money back. They get optimistic, then they get enthusiastic, they get exuberant, and then they get to the euphoria stage, which is kind of what you're seeing now again we get back to that exuberance euphoria stage we're seeing all the similar activities that go on at that peak of the economic cycle so uh, again and and this is uh, you know kind of the point about this when we look at that sentiment cycle what do we have right now right people are very optimistic about markets um easy credit very uh, right now bank bank banks are easing up their their credit lending capabilities they're issuing out mortgage debt left and right i mean uh home equity lines of credit people are drawing those down to invest in stocks very easy credit rush of offerings right SPACs, ipos have have had tremendous number of those record numbers coming to markets um of companies and a lot of these companies don't don't make money right risky stocks amc gamestop all those have been outperforming the overall markets Stretch valuations. We've got trailing earnings at the highest level on record. You've got price to sells at the highest level on record. So stretch valuations, easy mark here to say that we're in the enthusiasm stage of the cycle. Does that mean it pops tomorrow? No, that's not the point of the conversation. The point of the conversation is to simply recognize where you are within the cycle so that you can manage the risk. So when you begin to see these things turn, and you see the trend and the psychology begin to change, you know that this time is not really different. Be right back after the break.
daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Declare your financial independence. Our next Candid Coffee can liberate you from the stale rules touted by mainstream financial media. Know the enemies of your wealth and fight them on your terms. We'll arm you with the information you need at our next Candid Coffee with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff. Saturday, July 24th. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The Financial Independence Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso. realinvestmentadvice.com.